This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host Stephen Michael and Sunny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. there Hollywood so we got a bunch of great feedback from the listeners on how much they enjoy our little crank it up spotlights and so like we did in the past we're doing an episode of have you ever heard this particular crank it up new music spotlight and we're going to focus the whole episode on crank it up spotlights and focus on four bands that are fairly new. People may have heard of them or may not have heard of them, but we're going to share them with folks and uh, hopefully we'll turn some people on to some new music and hopefully they'll dig it. And in addition to that, we got a special interview with one of these Crank It Up Spotlight bands that we want to share with folks. You ready to do this? Yeah, even with these four bands we're going to talk about, <laughs> our differences in music is still there. <laughs> like when I was listening to the two bands you're going to talk about, I'm like, those don't sound like the two bands I'm going to talk about. No, it's all over the place a little bit. I knew some of the bands that you're going to be sharing tonight and did not know and have never even heard of some of the bands that you're sharing tonight. But I will say that pretty much I enjoyed most of what I listened to. Uh, from stuff that you're going to share tonight. So I'm excited to get into this. So you want to kick us off? Let's jump right into it. Okay. So my first band, and we're going to talk about two each, is sometimes called K-A-T-L. And this band is called Cobra and the Lotus. And for those KISS fans out there, you might be wondering, I I've heard that name before. Why is that? They actually opened for Kiss and Def Leppard in 2014. So it's possible you've seen them live. Or if you're like some of our friends like Loose Cannon, you showed up, you know, halfway through Def Leppard and probably missed them completely. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I saw them live and they were incredible. And, you know, in the 80s, was I in love with bands that had female lead singers? I was hit and miss. Like it would have to be like Soraya was good. Lita I could tolerate, Joan Jett I could tolerate, Hart was good, Pat Benatar was good, but there was some that I was like, eh, not too great. That is not true anymore. Like in the 2000s and the 2010s, man, there are so many absolutely excellent female-led rockers that just kill it vocally, and I would say Cobra Page is one of those. So 
Cobra and the Lotus is a six-member band. Cobra Page isn't on vocals. Jazio Kulakowski is on guitar. Ronnie Gutierrez on guitar. Brad Kennedy on bass. And Lord Marcus Lee on drums. These guys have had a ton of lineup changes. The only really staple is Cobra Page. The songs are very, I would say, symphonic metal. Symphonic metal, melodic metal, Canadian band. Um, They've got five albums out there. The sixth one is coming out this fall. But check this one out from 2018's Prevail 2. This song's called Losing My Humanity.
right on. So I had the opportunity to catch Cobra and the Lotus open up for Texas Hippie Coalition. And that was sometime last year, I guess, right before we did that interview with Big Dad Rich. And they were amazing. And I'll tell you what, (laughs) music or not, Cobra Page is super easy on the eyes to look at. Uh, She reminds me of a heavier version of Doro, kind of. Heavier in size or no, no. vocally or that that didn't sound no, right. No, no, no. Musically, musically. Cobra and the Lotus remind me of a heavier version of Doro. Cobra Page has uh, all the, the blonde hair and everything. So she's kind of a younger version of Doro. But the musically, they remind me of a heavier version of Doro. Yeah, I like some of the Doro stuff. Some of the stuff wasn't melodic enough for me. And this stuff seems more melodic, but it's just more, it's set up to be like arena rock. So I think that's what I like about it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't agree with that. I, I don't get that at all. Uh, so some of the Cobra and Lotus stuff is hit or miss for me. I went through the records when I saw they were opening up for Texas Hippie Coalition. I wanted to familiarize myself with them because I'd heard some good stuff about them. And they definitely have some tunes that I like, but they're pretty heavy to me. And they're also a little bit up and down for me. So some of the stuff is just, I I don't know. I don't, I don't get the melodic thing so much. Uh, Maybe I'll have to give it another listen, but yeah, it was hit or miss for me, but I, I definitely, they have stuff that I like. Okay, cool. Second band that I want to talk about is a band called Lone Rider. So brand new, kind of a super group from the United Kingdom. Lead vocals is Steve Overland from FM and Shadow Man. Steve Morris is on guitar. He's from Heartland and Shadow Man. Chris Childs is on bass from the band called Thunder. And it's Simon Kirk of Free and Bad Company on drums. So these guys, they obviously been around a while in their own right as musicians. Put them together and you basically got almost a new Bad Company. So we'll talk about it a little more after we play the song called My Imagination. Shit! 
right. So this was one of the bands that I didn't know anything about. And until you just shared all that, I didn't know anything about Bad Company. But that's funny because my first thought when I listened to this was, hey, this guy at times reminds me a lot of Bad Company. So <laughs> that's pretty funny because uh, I was dead on uh, on what I was hearing and uh, the description I think is very fitting. I, I enjoyed the song. I liked it. Yeah, it's a good album. It's their first album. We'll see if they put out a second one. And it's one of those super groups that actually isn't on Frontiers. It's actually on Escape Music. And, you know, it's got Bad Company had a lot of blues and soul in it. And so does this stuff. So it's pretty good stuff. The other song that I really love on the album is called One in a Million. So, yeah, straight up Bad Company, but good stuff. Yeah, to me, they were a little bit heavier than Bad Company, I thought, at least in my first listen to it anyway. I mean, I hadn't heard the whole album, but that song that you shared, I thought, was a little bit harder rocking than Bad Co. Yeah, I think part of that is the production because, you know, the 70s production on some of that Bad Company stuff needs to be probably remastered and redone. Yeah, I was more almost comparing it to uh, the, what is it, 90s Bad Co. with, um, what's his name? Brian Howe. Yeah, Brian Howe, that's right. Holy water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's not the bad company. When I say somebody sounds like bad yeah, company, you're thinking the I, I disregard, yeah, yeah. I, I only talk Paul Rogers. I love the Brian Howe bad company, don't get me yeah. wrong, but that's not really bad company to me. Okay, fair enough. All right, cool. So it's time for me to get into mine, right? That is correct. All right, so I'm going to kick this thing off with a band that I discovered through some magazines a couple of years back. They ended up on somebody's uh, top 10 list for 2017, I think. And I told you guys, a lot of times I'll check out other people's tops of the year list because I find new music that way all the time. And this band was no exception. This band's called Wraith. W-R-A-I-T-H. Now, there's a problem because there's a band out there called The Wraith, which is like a California punk hardcore band. So this band is from the UK and they've been around for apparently 20 plus years, but they kind of disappeared at one point in time. They're another band that at some point in time, Lemmy helped them out. Lemmy seems to have helped out a whole lot of bands uh, during his time on this planet. And Wraith was just another one of those bands. Also helping them out was Pete Way, who produced this record and played a little bit of bass on the record because their bass player at some point ended up leaving the band and joining this band Tiger Tales, which you may have or may not have heard of. They've been around for a lot of years as well, another UK band. But this record, Revelation, is an awesome album from start to finish. I think this is a great record. So I'm going to share this song with you. This is a song called Lifeline.
Yeah, so I had never heard of these guys until basically today. Very rat. Very, very rat. It's not bad. And even when Ryan sings a ballad, at least he can pull off the ballad because Piercy wouldn't be able to pull off that ballad. Uh, I liked Into the Fire and an Invasion better, but uh, yeah, the album's pretty good actually on first listen. Yeah, it's it's good. It's interesting you say rad. I I didn't necessarily make that connection. I'm not saying that they don't. I just didn't make that connection. I was thinking, you know, I wanted to pick a band that kind of went along with the next band that I'm going to talk about, and so you know, I thought they were sort of similar in that vein, just really heavy guitar. Uh, and also I don't, uh, Wraith, I don't think is, you know, when I think a rat, I think sort of like that sunset strip, that whole thing in Wraith is, is definitely not that, but I thought a combination of like maybe Iron Maiden and I heard some docking in there. So yeah, you know, it's probably a hodgepodge of all that. So I don't think we're, any of us are real far off on that, but yeah, I definitely enjoy that record. So do yourself a favor if you guys can find the ra- the record from 2017 called Revelation. Go check that out by Wraith, not the Wraith, just Wraith. All right, so that leads us on to my next pick. And Sonny and I, we kind of exposed these guys back in 2018. Was it last year's top 10 list of the year? Yeah, Play to Win. Yeah, Play to Win was on both of our lists from the band Stryker. Stryker is a Canadian heavy metal band from Edmonton, and they were formed in 2007. The band's early material kind of reminds me of Iron Maiden, but they have a lot of melodic sense to their sound. And the singer Dan Clear is awesome. They definitely have hints of old Queensryche in there. Just a killer band, two guitar players that shred. I had the opportunity to see Stryker play live recently when they came through town on this big kind of thrash metal shred-tastic package, which I got to be honest, the rest of the bands that were on the package really weren't my cup of tea, but I saw Stryker was part of this package, so I I made it a point to go out there. And when I went out there, I had the opportunity to sit down with Dan Clary, the singer from Stryker, and talk to him for a good 30 minutes. And so I recorded that interview to share with you guys. And in that interview, I'm also going to share some music. And Stryker, just an amazing band, great live. Chris Seeger on guitar, Dan Cleary on vocals, Adam Brown on drums, who Adam's on his way out. They'll be bringing in a new drummer. Uh, Tim Brown on guitar, and they got a new uh, new bass player named Pete Clausen, who uh, fit right in. He was great. They've got several albums out, Play to Win being their most recent one that came out in 2018. Then they've got Striker, the self-titled record, Stand in Fire, City of Gold, Arm to the Teeth, and Eyes in the Night. I suggest you go check out Play to Win, Striker, and City of Gold. Try those three records. Really, really good, solid, heavy metal, hard rock stuff with melodic. So enjoy this interview, and we will come back to wrap up things after we're done.
Hey, this is Dan from Striker, and you're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with Steven and Hollywood. Now crank that shit up. Dan Cleary, welcome to the Grown Up Rock Podcast. What's going on, buddy? Uh, not too much, man. Good to be here. Welcome to uh, Hot Atlanta, Muggy Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. I think this is the first taste of like real humidity we've had because we were in Texas. Uh, I guess Florida was kind of like this, but we were there for just one day. But yeah. Yeah. So as we like to do in most of the uh, interviews that we do with people, we want to get into your earliest musical memories. So what kind of shit were you listening to when you were a teenager, man? I definitely started off with like classic rock. I think that was just through my dad. He had like a lot of like classic rock, but not even like the really like, it wasn't like hard rock. It was like, uh, like the Rolling Stones and stuff like that. So I remember we had like rock and roll. Yeah. It was like rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, uh, and then I got into playing guitar, and then I think that was the natural progression for me was uh, I liked lead guitar, so it, I got into classic rock and listened to, like, Jimi Hendrix, and then into, like, the Scorpions, and then from there into, like, Megadeth and Metallica, and then from there into more complicated, like, speed metal stuff like that with, like, even crazier guitar solos, so, like, that was, like, uh, Shrapnel Records all that stuff and then uh, yeah mike barney yeah so like that i got got into that super hard and uh, like all that like really extreme guitar shredding from the 80s was like racer x and, yeah yeah and, and all that crap but it's funny because like when we started striker me and my buddy ian originally the first i phoned him i was working at a music store and i was like hey man do you want to start a band that's like racer x and i mean our band's not really much like razor x right. but but that was the initial like that's what we were going to try and do but what was the first scorpions album you got into you mentioned those guys i don't think at the time i was really listening to albums like we were You're like listening we were, to songs we were yeah, yeah like we were downloading stuff i mean i hate to say it but oh, that's we, right you, you <laughs> we came were in, in the, generation. the era. yeah we were like yeah, in junior high, that was like a huge thing, downloading stuff. So we would end up getting like singles and stuff. And I mean, we did buy albums. I think my first album was South of Heaven by Slayer, the first one I bought for yeah. myself. Yeah, I forget about that sometimes when I talk to people because you're, you're quite a bit younger than I am. Uh, so you came in in that whole Napster era. And so you didn't really, the time of purchasing albums and waiting at record stores for them to come out and you know listening to the whole album front to back that period of time was sort of on its way out by the time you came around and got into music for the most part not that you never listened to albums or anything like that it's just that when Napster and when file sharing came online it started to become more of a song 
focused type environment as opposed to a complete album focused environment. Yeah. Like we used to go to the music store and buy albums, but like we were never waiting for any albums to come out because we weren't really listening to anything that wasn't already out for like 15 years or whatever at yeah, that point. Right. So it's like when you go buy like whatever the next Megadeth album that you wanted to listen to, that'd be like Countdown to Extinction, you know, and that was already been out for like 15 years at the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about playing guitar and are you a pretty proficient guitar player? Uh, I've been playing for like, I guess it's been like since I was... 14 i think so almost i guess 15 years so why not guitar and striker as opposed to vocals (laughs) i'm useless at doing both at the same time like i've i've i mean i've tried a little bit but it's like the amount of effort i would have to put in and it's not something that comes naturally to me so at the time you're putting the band together though because you you kind of help put this thing together right so at the time you put it together did you think hey, I'll be one of the guitar players, or was it... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was 100%. I wasn't interested in being a singer at all but at the time. An, you <laughs> found another guitar player, and you didn't have a singer? Is that kind of how it went? That's exactly how it went. Actually, our guitar player, Chris, when we first approached him, he's also a really great guitar player, so we, all three of us were like, you know, pretty good at the time, and uh, we actually had asked him if he wanted to sing. And he said, oh, yeah, I could try and whatever. And he came in and, and he had like a really deep voice. Mm-hmm. And we were like, ah, it's not really what we're doing. And Chris was like, well, why don't I just play guitar and you sing? Because I had done like one demo at the time where I did like some like high notes that I just like randomly just squeaked out into right. a demo track or whatever. And so then it just kind of made sense because we didn't know anybody else who wanted to do, especially that style of singing. So. Yeah, because you're a pretty proficient singer, man. Thanks, man. <laughs> See, a lot, of, a lot of practice, but yeah. Yeah. So you listened to some of your dad's records and things like that, but how did you end up, what was the first thing that kind of sent you down the hard rock and metal uh, rabbit hole? Do you remember uh, and how that came about? Yeah, you know, I think that was because uh, in grade nine, so we'd have been 14 at the time, mm-hmm. Ian, our original guitar player, had transferred from... Or, well, he used to live in BC, British Columbia in Canada, right. and then he moved to Alberta, to Edmonton, and he came to our school, and then we were immediately friends, because he was a dude who liked to play guitar, and he had a nicer guitar than I had, and everything like that, and was like, okay, cool. And then he was listening to stuff like the Scorpions and Megadeth and stuff like that, and so he's like, oh, you gotta check these out. So he was kind of like the yeah. dude who put me onto some of that stuff early on that always happens when when you get into high school and you start circulating around like-minded individuals my musical taste catapulted once i went to high school yeah that's exactly the same and i mean when we went into high school because that was like grade nine was like the last year of what's considered junior high right and then we went into high school after that then we met like we had so many friends that were into metal after that yeah yeah were you one of the metalheads that was kind of closed-minded at one point where you only listened to metal? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's funny because it's so different now. I'm so much more open to like all kinds of music. But yeah. I remember back in the day, you know, we used to be like, say stuff like you can't spell crap without rap or whatever. You know, right. like, just like lame stuff like that. Right. Like, I mean, it's funny though because we grew up when like rap was really popular i mean still obviously is but i mean so we we always listened to rap music but it was like when we were in high school it was like no you know right we changed our mind (laughs) yeah and as you get older your ears start opening up you start appreciating music which is cool 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Were you ever introduced at some point, because this would have been past your time, but you would have gone back to it, uh, to the new wave of British heavy metal? Oh, yeah. 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 Did you gravitate towards any bands or albums from that period in particular? Painkiller was a huge album for us in high school. That was like a drive around high school with Painkiller on. Are we talking about Priest? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that was a big one for us. And then uh, it was funny because like, I listened to like a lot of that classic heavy metal that was back when it was like Napster and I was listening to one song at a time. Mm-hmm. So I like knew a couple songs of Iron Maiden, a couple songs of Judas Priest. And it wasn't until later that I eventually went back and started listening to those bands more. Yeah. Because it was like I skipped to like sort of listening to more of like Metallica and Megadeth and stuff like that. Yeah. And then went back to the... New wave. new wave yeah yeah did you dig deep in any of that new wave stuff and hit like the saxons and the jag panzers and some of the deeper no, bands yeah not till later i had another friend actually who came along who is known as speed metal clayton and he <laughs> he was like oh you like metal like here's he just gave me like ten thousand songs yeah he's like check check all this out and like he gave me a hard drive with music on it and i was like oh shit <laughs> better dig into this so yeah then it was like he was really big on sort of ob- more obscure stuff from like the 80s and especially speed metal, but also classic metal like Saxon and stuff right. like that too. Yeah. Which it's, it's weird to me now to think that people don't really know Saxon because I feel like they had like a resurgence or something. The last couple, two, three albums uh, they put out were so good and just yeah. so heavy. I mean, they're a band that increasingly got heavier as they got older yeah. which is really weird yeah we talk about that all the time we talk about how biff's voice got better with age somehow mm-hmm. you know it just got more interesting and it, it just it's really good we really love the album uh heavy metal thunder yeah, yeah. which where they re-recorded some of the old stuff but mm-hmm. it, it's like you know heavier and stuff like that and it's just a great album yeah there's some good stuff and they're still great live i mean they sounded amazing i saw them probably three times in the last year uh, combined with the Monsters of Rock Cruise and them coming through town. And it was just, they're, they're awesome. I love them. <laughs> yeah, they're great. Yeah. Uh, so over the last three years, uh, you guys have released three albums and played a ton of dates. I was looking at some of your tour dates and you guys are just playing out all the time, whether it's in Europe or uh, North America or Canada. Have you seen that playing out all the time has influenced the band in both writing and your live performances? I don't know. Maybe not so much in like our writing because, I mean, once, you know, we're off tour and we're home and then you forget everything about tour and and then you're back to writing and whatever. So, But uh, for live, for sure. I mean, we've picked up a lot along the way. Even like more recent tours, we did a... a tour with Steel Panther and I mean although there's not a lot we could take from their set and incorporate yeah. into ours it's Fun, just, just the just like the vibe and like how those guys are and they're they're really professional but they're also pretty easygoing and like right. just you know don't take it too seriously and So you guys aren't a band then that writes while you're on the road. You you definitely are specific to periods of time when you're off the road and stuff like that. You guys don't mess around at sound checks or anything. No, we don't have enough time really. I mean, if we had a, I think you know we probably would if we had a bus and like we're able to bring some equipment with us. But 
in North America, we've never had a bus. And like we've done the bus in, in Europe a few times. But even then, it's like, you know, you're, you're mostly there to play and, you know, party yeah, and stuff. I, I guess the reason I ask is because sometimes with, with musicians and with artists, a riff comes to you whenever it comes to you. And, you know, nowadays it's, it's as easy as hit and record on your phone, right? It's not, it's not you don't. You don't need a, a four track or, or a bunch of equipment to capture an idea, and that's that's what I that's what I meant by that. If you're playing out live with the band all the time, you're becoming more cohesive as a unit, right? Um, and sometimes things hit people at different times, but yeah, I mean we've we've had a few. There's been a few riffs that like yeah, I did like the recorded into the phone thing, and then later worked into a song eventually. But yeah, okay, we, we, uh, yeah, not. Not too much, really. Right. Yeah. So we talked about all these dates that you guys have, have done, and you've spent time, a lot of time in Europe. You spent time now here in the U.S., and obviously you spent time in Canada where you're from. Yeah. How does touring these different places, how is it different? How does it compare hmm. Europe to the U.S. and U.S. to Canada, etc.? How does that all compare? Um, Europe is really different it's uh, like surprising how different like the uh, just music in general or like live music is sort of approached from like uh i wouldn't say respect but like just uh the amount of uh hospitality is a little is higher mm -hmm. so like i mean even on our earliest tours we would get catering and not just like a couple drink tickets or whatever they would give you beers and, right. and all this stuff and and even like some of those early tours they would even like get out hotels booked for us and stuff and i mean maybe we played to like 30 40 people and they still got us a hotel and catering really? and everything it's like you know so that's just sort of like a given for a lot of those it's mm -hmm. like that's just how it is and it's part of the deal in like the u.s and canada We've had shows where it was like you get one pitcher of beer and that's it. So the U.S. and Canada are a little bit similar versus yeah, yeah, for sure versus Canada and U.S. against the European market, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> did you find that your numbers and your shows got better the more time that you spent in Europe? Oh yeah, because you've been definitely. there a few times now. Yeah, at this it's point, like right? a ridiculous amount of times. I think it's I can't remember. It was like over ten times now we've been there for various things including some festivals in mm -hmm. the summer and stuff like that and uh it's definitely growing incrementally i mean it hasn't been like you know you go once and the next time you're there there's like you know three times as many people it's like you know yeah, they same, tell two friends word. and they tell two friends kind of thing yeah exactly have you guys been to south america yet uh no we we did go to mexico for uh -huh. a bizarre tour that was uh the booking people were a little suspect yeah I mean, they did a good good enough job for what they could do right and so but yeah we haven't made it there yet yeah those are two regions where mexico and and uh brazil south america i would think that you guys would go over well there they seem to like the vein of music that you guys yeah. are producing. we get a lot of requests to go it's just like i don't know it, i think it's hard to find like the right people to bring you down and i mean you have to also like kind of trust that they're gonna do a good job yeah. it's not gonna be real weird because i mean like even down in uh when we toured down in mexico we never felt like unsafe but it was different, right? Like, it's a yeah, very it's, out of our element. And yeah, we're just like, okay, yeah, we'll just roll with it and see how this goes. And yeah. yeah, that would be scary to me a little bit. I mean, there's some 
some crazy shit that goes down on in those areas with cartels and stuff like that. I don't yeah. I would definitely be on edge a little bit here and there. We weren't sure, but I mean, I, we just like drove around in a, in a van. Like we were, we almost didn't go because it was like the day before we were supposed to leave. We didn't even have like an itinerary yeah. or like even flight numbers. And, wow. then, and then like the, the day before we left, they're like, oh, here's your flight numbers. Here's the itinerary. And we're like, okay. Wow. <laughs> but we did it and it was, yeah. it was fine. But yeah, that's awesome. Well, I think I told the listeners before, if you haven't heard of Stryker, they made both mine and Hollywood's top 10 list of 2018 with the latest record, which is Play to Win. Why don't you pick a tune off Play to Win to play for listeners now? Uh, how about Position of Power?
got sick and blew your voice out on a previous tour, yeah. Do you have a daily routine while you're on tour nowadays where you're doing certain warm-ups or you go through a whole process uh, throughout the day? Um, not so much. On this tour, and well, I think one of the biggest things I realized is that right before we went to the Bang Your Head Festival uh, last summer, yeah, last summer, I was like having, we were rehearsing and my voice was like, it was just, something was just not completely going well with it and i don't know what it was and so like a week before we left i went to like the ent doctor and they put a thing down and look at mm-hmm. you and the first thing he said was like oh you broke your nose uh, like i that not to my knowledge i've ever broken my nose and then he was like well it's broken and it's healed or whatever but yeah. so at some point i broke my nose somehow i don't remember how that happened but i'm guessing you were probably drunk at one point and don't remember i have no idea <laughs> I once opened a car door into my own face, which was brutal. <laughs> like, yeah. wow, I did. It's just like bad coordination or something. But yeah. maybe that was it. But and then uh, and then he put it down the the camera down farther, and he's like, "Oh, you also hurt your neck." And I'm like, "Wow, yeah, I kind of knew that because I, I remember there was a music video we did, and I was just, the first headbang thing I did. It was like, and ever since then, it's been like a little bit like. Now that like, wasn't the. I saw a very entertaining video uh, today that had you guys um, basically Ramboing it with two beautiful girls and a lot of blood splatter that was a uh, quite thick syrup. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't that video, but that, that video was a blast. Uh, <laughs> that looks like fun. a lot of fun. That yeah. was pretty hilarious. I, I enjoyed watching that. I got a kick out of that. Put a <laughs> smile on my face. Back in our comedy video phase. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. But sorry, I didn't didn't mean to digress. But uh, you were you were telling me the ear, nose, throat guy. Yeah. So, so and then, anyways, he looks down there, and I have like a a blister above my vocal cords, which was pushing one side down. And if you know what it like looks like, it's just like two flaps of skin. So it yeah. pushes the one side down and they weren't closing properly. So one side was way over exerted and the other side was like under. And anyways, basically it's, it was just impaired completely. Yeah. And so he told me that's from acid reflux, which is something I had heard about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you always hear about heartburn and stuff like that. Yeah. But I didn't ever really feel it. So I... Uh, uh, he gave me some pills and stuff like that. That cleared it up pretty good. And then uh, since then, I just, like on this tour and for the last little bit, I just make sure I don't, once we play the show, I don't drink anything or eat anything after the show and yeah. just take it easy. Because if, if it happens once, it's like, now you got to wait a week for this thing to heal up or whatever. And if you have to sing that whole time too, it's like, you know. Back when I got sick though, that was just like a really bad cold. And right. I just could not shake it. And right. then like we did like a like half a tour with where I had a bad cold and it was just like Yeah. That's it. It's like just destroyed. I don't think all the listeners quite understand the realities of being a young up and coming band or a young band trying <laughs> to break ground these days. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that, you know, because the reality is you're in a van and a trailer, you're driving from city to city, you're driving across the country. I've done this routine and it's, it's painstakingly <laughs> tough to do because it listen, it's hard enough for the top notch rock star to stay healthy. 
uh, and they're traveling in jets and buses and things like that because you got different air conditioning in the hotels and just different in the in the buses and things like that. So for a young band to be traveling in a van and a trailer, slugging their own gear, basically, you know, nights of driving after a show, things like that. I mean, it's rough. And, and so how, you know, to somebody that's just now like, I'm going to be in a band and, and play rock and roll and, and travel, it, there's a lot involved with that, you know? You obviously, if you're doing it nowadays, you're not necessarily doing it for the money because nobody's making money. People are working full-time jobs. I know you're working a full-time job. I, when was, I was. You, you finally transitioned no, out of that? I just quit my job because I was tired of it. Yeah. Okay. So the warehouse got old. Yeah, yeah. You, you got out of that. But for the most part, guys, even guys with hit records in the 80s are working full-time jobs today in between the touring just to kind of keep money coming in. And so that's the reality of it. The plus side... Or the upside, I think, uh, as I view it, is you get to write your own ticket in terms of making and producing the record that you want to produce. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're, you're a do-it-yourself band nowadays. Yep. You yeah. did away with the label, and so you guys do everything yourselves and put it out yourselves. But it seems to be a lot simpler, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, like doing it ourselves, it, it just—it's a lot of work, right? Like, I think that's the easy thing to forget that, like, the label will do a lot of stuff for you that you just don't really have to worry about. And then when we signed with uh, Napalm Records back in the day, we didn't realize there was so much that we had to still do. We just thought, oh, they're going to take care of all this stuff. They're going to get us on the tours and blah 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 blah, which is not really the case. Like, there is a difference between a label and a booking agent and a you know promo company or whatever you know so yeah and then we've fully realized that doing it ourselves now it's like it's a lot of work but it's it's rewarding because nobody tells us what we have to do at all we just decide ourselves what do you think's the biggest been the biggest eye-opener for you as a do-it-yourself band versus a label something that you maybe you didn't expect good or bad that has come out of this I, I think the biggest thing is uh, it's surprisingly important who you know in the industry. Like you have to you have to do a good job, like making sure you are a nice person and do things with respect and right and be like. I find that every band that we've toured with that's been like a bigger band, everybody in the band is really nice and easy to get along with, and they are respectful to everybody. And I think that's really important because these days nobody wants to work with anybody who sucks like that, like who's got a big ego or anything like that. So I think that's a really important thing because in the end it is like certain people can be the guy who gets you onto the next big thing or whatever, right? So You guys are from Canada and I think Canada, it's been my perception that Canada has some special things put in place for music artists that the U.S. does not. And I think some of those type things like grants and things like that ended up helping you guys out. There's also some sort of a radio play type situation, right? Where they have to play a certain percentage of Canadian bands on the radio, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, we don't usually fall under the the ones that they actually end up playing, unfortunately. But uh, 
Yeah, there is like a Canadian content thing for the radio there. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that stuff ends up being like Loverboy. They yeah. play like tons of Loverboy and stuff right, like that. Okay, fair enough. Brian Adams and Loverboy and Rush. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, but yeah, the grants have been a huge thing for us. Something like we've we've talked about, like oh, maybe we should like you know put it out there, like how we how we've been able to do what we're doing. I think that it's not really a fair comparison for a lot of bands because we do get grants that support what we're doing and right. that, that's been letting us do you know three albums in three years and, right. and tour all the time in between that it's like I think our like our standard of like living as far as like how we can tour and stuff is like a lot higher than it, it probably would normally be right. just because of like yeah <laughs> so anyways yeah it's uh that's been a huge part of like our uh ability to keep going is getting those government government grants this is great <laughs> yeah. everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell and we want to hear yours so go to our website at growinguprock.com that's one word g-r-o-w-i-n-u-p-r-o-c-k.com or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. So what's your writing process like in the band? A lot of it's just like uh, over the years we've sort of set up our own little, or at least I've set up my own little uh, like home recording studio with all the fixings that I need. And uh, so I usually just, when I feel inspired enough, go and write some stuff. Yeah. And usually it starts with like guitar, maybe some drums, but... Yeah, usually with guitar riffs and stuff like that. And if, if I'm feeling like, oh, this is a pretty cool riff or whatever, and then start sort of fleshing it out from there. What's last, the melody and lyrics for you? Yeah, usually, which yeah. is maybe not always the best idea. Like I was listening to, uh, I think it was Joe Rogan talking to Steven Tyler. I was like, oh, this would be a good interview. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was saying he, he would write like, if the song needed two verses, he would write like seven. Yeah. To like, just get it all like see what's in there you know when you're like writing and stuff you never know your first idea might might feel all right but well i know some guys singers will hum melodies and they'll hum them to their guitar player which in your case you can play guitar so you would hum out a, a riff or something and you know that would be easier for you but yeah i mean like it's kind of nice like knowing how to play the guitar and stuff like that too so it's like yeah, I, I can at least write riffs that I like and think are cool and stuff. So, and I, a lot of the time, what I'll do is like write a demo that's just all music, and then listen to it in the car a lot. Like I right. put it on my phone, listen to it while I'm driving and stuff like that. And then I find that when you're driving, it's really you really can come up with a lot of good stuff. Like yeah, especially melodies and lyric ideas and stuff like that. If you're just kind of like humming along. Play to Win is your sixth album, right? Yeah, it sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know you had like an EP out as well. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, a couple other things. But how has this record been received as opposed to like your last several records? It's been good. It's almost bothered us in the past that we haven't gotten a lot of bad reviews, which... I mean, that sounds funny, but it's yeah. like, it's true. I, we've always thought like, man, if we're not getting any bad reviews, then maybe no one cares. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? no, no reviews. Uh, you, you know, I listened to all the records and I think they're fairly consistent in sound. That's one good thing about the records is that they sound pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like sound wise, sound quality wise, play to win sounds great, but so does the last couple, the self-titled record, which was the last one before play to win. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then what was it? City of Gold was that the uh, one before? Stand, stand in the fire before okay, that, and then City right. of Gold. Yeah. yeah. So those all sound pretty consistent in terms of the actual music and then the audio quality. So, you know, the people that are reviewing them are the ones that are listening to it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And like, like on the new one, we've had few reviews that were like they weren't as happy because of we did go in a little bit more of a melodic style on the album but i already told you that's my bangs on so yeah. i i appreciate yeah. that part because it's not like to me it's not becoming poppy or anything i mean if you add some keyboard textures in there and things like that i don't think that's a bad thing if it serves yeah. the song you know yeah yeah if you had to describe striker to somebody that never heard you guys what would you tell them usually i just tell them we sound like iron maiden a bit Do you? <laughs> you know and we don't really but it's like well, uh, it's a good comparison, I think, because like vocally, it's kind of sort of similar. And then like the twin guitar two, two thing, harmony guitars and stuff. The twin harmony guitar things. I think it's a real fair comparison. I would throw in, I would throw in a little bit of Priest. I would throw in a little bit of Queens, right? Old Queens, right? Yeah, yeah. And I would throw in probably a touch of um, Megadeth and Metallica. Yeah. And to me, that's you know, you throw all that in the blender. That's probably pretty representory of yeah. striker well and it's funny because that's like that's like all stuff we listen to right and i think like for us we've never we've always been listening to like from i'm a big fan of like late 80s hair metal yeah it's like it's almost like just hard rock i guess yeah like, like all from that all the way to like pretty extreme metal and like yeah. in then in the more like recent years i've been listening to a lot of hardcore music and stuff too just because i just it's just interesting to me, like, as a music fan, you just evolve, and it's, like, it's interesting to listen to different stuff. And you right. just appreciate it differently. Yeah. yeah. I started out and listened to stuff like Slayer, and I can't, I just can't listen to that stuff anymore. It just doesn't <laughs> do anything for me. I personally, I need some sort of a melody, some sort of a pocket, you know? I like, yeah, a good groove and stuff. Yeah. yeah, a good groove that I can latch onto. That's what works for me, and... Uh, Striker, you know, provides that to me for the majority of the stuff that I've listened to. Nice. So Thanks, man. I, I dig <laughs> it, man. I'm glad you guys are here. I'm excited to see you guys because, I, you know, I heard you guys do a pretty good live show. So Yeah, we've been, uh, we've been having a lot of fun on this tour. Uh, yeah. We've got a new bass player, Pete. He's been awesome, and uh, you're about to get a new drummer, yeah. I think, right? Yeah, at some point here, we we don't have any plans yet, but yeah. uh, we'll figure it out when we get home, and we're just gonna enjoy the tour here. Like, Adam, yeah. Adam's been our drummer for like I guess eight or nine years yeah. now, so it's we'll just have a good time and then figure it out after. But again, this is part of the realities of being a young man trying to break ground, right? Yeah, I mean, there's member changes, and people can't stick around sometimes if there's not money or if they have other opportunities. So. It's just part part of it, but yeah, absolutely. And yeah, like I'm, I mean, all we've had like plenty of members come and go, and the majority of them are uh, we're on really good terms with. So yeah, yeah, you know, it just how it is, right? Like, not everybody really wants to be touring that much, right? And I mean, Adam as a drummer, like for eight years, and like touring constantly and stuff. It's just like. You know, you start to fall apart a little bit. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, drumming is a rough thing. That's an athletic position. Yeah. All right. Well, so like we like to close out a lot of our episodes, we're going to do a little bit of a lightning round with you. Okay. Fair enough. You ready? Yeah. Don't overthink it. Two Desert Island albums you take with you. Painkiller and probably 
Boston by Boston, maybe? The uh, first Boston, yeah. debut of Boston. Yeah. That was my first rock record I ever bought. Uh, what's playing on the van radio? Uh, today we were listening to the Abbott's new album. To what? Abbott. Oh, Abbott, yeah. not Abba. Oh, no. <laughs> Close. But <laughs> Dickinson or Halford? Uh, Dickinson, I think. Fritos or chips? Chips. <laughs> do you sing in the shower or the car? In the car. What are you singing? Jeez, I don't even know. It's been a while since I've been in a car that wasn't five guys in there with me. <laughs> so, I don't know, just whatever I'm listening to at the time. All right, truth be told, uh, you, you sang a bunch of uh, vicious rumors when you were driving a delivery truck at yeah, one point. Yeah, and like a bunch of weird stuff too. Like, uh, I was listening to a lot of like, it's a band called Deadly Blessing uh-huh. and uh, Hellstar. So yeah, Hellstar, just, I remember Yeah, that. I got all these like f- funny albums that I was listening to at the time. It was like a lot of really high vocals. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right on. All right. So you got one night, one band. You get to jump up on stage and jam any song you want with this band. Who is it? Oh, man. Dan Cleary, come on down. You're sitting in with us tonight. <laughs> I think, like, probably Iron Maiden. I don't know. Yeah. Like, that'd be the ultimate one. Yeah. I just didn't want to say that because that's a cliche uh-huh. a little bit. Maiden's but. in town tomorrow night. Yeah, I know. Well, we, yeah, we had last night, we were worried that, you know, the show wasn't going to go so well because, like, their only Florida show was happening the same night. But yeah. It was like three hours away. So it wasn't a big deal. But yeah, too bad yeah. you guys got to head off and play tomorrow night. Otherwise, you could stick around for the show tomorrow night. Yeah. Well, we've got tickets to see them in Edmonton. Awesome. On August 30th. So we'll be. All right. So, Maiden, you're sitting in with Maiden. What are you singing? Oh, that's a tough one. Are you a newer maiden guy? Maybe like Children of the Damned or something. Something old, something off Number of the Beast. Then, all right, right on. (laughs) That's awesome, Dan. You've been a pleasure to talk to. Thank you. You want to pick one off of uh, any of your records to play us out? Let's do Play to Win off Play to Win. I love it. It's my favorite. All right, see ya.
Okay, so I'm not the biggest thrash fan in the world. So I remember when I heard Play to Win and I went back and you started listening to Eyes in the Night, Arm to the Teeth, there were some songs that I liked, but then there were some songs that were very, very thrash. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. But there's something about these guys that I like. So I'm listening to Play to Win the other day as I'm getting dressed and the song Head First comes on. And I'm like, oh my God, I just realized what I liked about them. Dan sometimes sounds like John Sykes vocally. So it's got kind of a, when they go more pop instead of thrash, they've got this blue murder feel, which is what I like. And, I, you know, we always talk about songs I can't live without. Man, the front is quickly becoming a song I can't live without because I absolutely love that song. And that's on play to win. So if you want to give these guys a shot and you haven't heard the front, you definitely want to check that out. Yeah, and if you heard it in the interview, Dan talks about taking a few extra liberties with play to win. And I think that what he was referring to was probably a little bit more melody. And some of their hardcore fans maybe didn't necessarily appreciate that, but I was quick to tell Dan that, that I absolutely did appreciate that because they're leaning towards more my particular love zone <laughs> that sounded really dirty <laughs> yeah it did it sounded really bad i like it when i hope you didn't say that today i totally love it when i lean towards my love zone i don't <laughs> but yeah it, it was really uh i like that heavy guitar but i gotta have a little bit of melody i don't love just straight out thrash i'm a lot like sunny in that way but I think that City of Gold and the and the Striker self-titled record, which they put out right before Play to Win, uh, I thought had a lot of great just hard rocking tunes on it. So hopefully they'll continue with the path that they're on now. You know they've they've got some great things going on for them, and I think being a Canadian band has kind of helped them out and paid off in a lot of ways, as you heard in the interview, with some of the grants that they're able to get from from uh, Canada and so on. It's kind of kept their head above water, which is is great. So, uh, yeah, I just they're definitely a um, a bright star on the up and coming band list, in my opinion. So I hope they keep at it and I hope they can keep it together, but absolutely love striker. Yeah. And really the band that released the thrash stuff early, except for Dan and really Chris, that band's pretty much gone anyway. So, you know, they can probably stay on this trajectory and uh, do well. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, uh, Tim Brown, he's been in the band since 2013. And I think, uh, uh, he's definitely an integral part of that band live, uh, and it comes across that way. But I think Dan is is primarily the guy that's doing the lion's share of the writing. At least that's what I took away from that interview. So, Great interview, great band. Give him a shot. Absolutely. Well, that's it, man. Let's wrap this thing up. So hopefully you guys were able to pick up a band or two that you hadn't heard of before, or at least we've exposed you to a little bit more of their material. And that'll get you guys excited enough to go out there and pick up those records. Go buy music, support these artists. It's important. And I don't know why Stephen keeps saying the word exposed. That's a very naughty word. 
But thank you for <laughs> listening. Thanks for all the feedback. And we will catch you later. I'm totally exposing myself to you later on. See ya. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. make sure you subscribe to our podcast growing up rock and leave us a review on itunes give us a like and leave us a comment on facebook at growing up rock it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football fantasypoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points fantasypoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play whether you play fantasy football daily fantasy sports or do a little bit of everything fantasy points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.